Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Developing a Disciple's Heart. This series is based in the question Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment, which I've said to you is really being asked, what's the most important thing in life? And his answer is this glorious answer, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that, that being the answer that he gave, we've, we've said let's spend some time really digging into that and, and looking at what that looks like, because he's giving us advice for life, very powerful, profound advice for life. And in order to make it practical, we've said what, that, what we think we, we can do with that is, is three things that we should be attempting to do as disciples every day. Uh, and I always, being thankful, encourage you to be at least thankful for at least five things. That being thankful reminds us of all um, that God is and is doing and the love he has for us and, and encourages us to love him back because he's God. It's the right mindset to, to, uh, to serve him and follow him and love him by to encourage at least two people a day helps us to love others and gets us out of ourselves a little bit. And that um, we love ourselves, the best way I know to love ourselves is by doing the next right thing. That that's the kindest thing we can do to ourselves and we're talking about all these things. And we've said that it would be great if, uh, th that seems very simple, if we could just really stick to that. But um, as we've been talking, you like me, um, have issues that get in the way. We, we still have some undealt with stuff. Our flesh gets in the way. Our sin gets in the way. Our attitudes get in the way. Um, things happen and cause us to get stressed and off track and all sorts of things happen. Jesus even you know, said to his guys at, at the garden, he said, you, you can't hang with me you know, for, for an hour and, and they were falling asleep and he said, okay, I get it. The, the spirit's willing but the flesh is weak. Um, and so my spirit's willing. I want to do and be uh, a good, solid disciple following the Lord. I want to do those things that he just talked about, and yet sometimes um, I get off track. And so this series then is taking a, uh, talking about taking it deeper, that, that um, we need some, maybe some way to, we've talked about like a primer, to prime the pump of our disciples' hearts, to get us really settled in um, the day so that we can, we can live the life that we've called to as disciples. And so that's what we're, we're digging into right now, developing a disciple's heart, priming the pump of our heart with some simple things um, so that, that we can live the life that we're called to and that we can walk this out a little closer to him and that hopefully by the Spirit, with the help of the Spirit, we can catch ourselves when we begin to drift a little faster. And, uh, and, and so, so that's what we're talking about. And I've, I've said to you and I'm presenting it to you in seven sort of sections that I think are important that ultimately will be a 15, 20-minute um, little guide for you, a little primer for you to get the day started. And, and so the, the section that we're talking about right now is getting focused. That's the first one. Then we'll talk about getting thankful and getting connected and some, a bunch of other things. But we're talking now about getting focused. We're looking at Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 as sort of the, the verses for that process. And we've, we've talked uh, today through most of those verses um, about uh, the confidence that we have in Christ to enter the most holy place. It's a very real place that the literal presence of God we have access to because of what Jesus has done and because God sees us in Christ. And from that, we can get a throne room perspective for life and that we can live this full life that he's given us a new and, and living way. We've talked about Jesus as our great priest who understands our struggles uh, and modeled for us 
um, life, what life was supposed to look like. Jesus is humanity as God intended it to be and how to live life then with the throne room perspective. Um, we, we talked about uh, how he sees us as his treasure and his pearl and that because that's how he views us, it's important that we have a good picture of how we view him, that God is good, that God is faithful. And, and last week we said that he's good, always good and only good and that was what we looked into in Hebrews 10.23. Today now we're, we're picking it up in Hebrews 10.24 in just a moment. We're being encouraged to uh, spur others along the path and journey towards love and good deeds. And so we're going to dig into that. But first the scripture reading for today is Romans 12.9-16. through 16. This is out of the message paraphrase and it says this. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. And blessed be the word of the Lord. We're going to sort of use that as a backdrop for some of the things we're going to talk about today. Paul's uh, advice there on, on, uh, on loving well and what that looks like. But our verse for today, our main verse, Hebrews 10, 24, and says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So, so far, we've talked about Hebrews 10, 19, up to that point. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. There's a little change now in our focus as we have been hanging out there in the throne room, connecting with God, and he's been loving on us, and, and he's been just filling us and preparing us. And, and, and so it's been about us getting sort of ourselves in the right spot with him. And now all of a sudden, the writer of Hebrews tells us, okay, now that's really good, but now, see, you gotta, you gotta start thinking about how you can take all this amazing love and access to God that you have and begin to help others as well, to draw other people towards him. See, Christianity, being a Christian, this life is all about involvement. Um, it was demonstrated to us by a little thing called the incarnation, um, which obviously wasn't a little thing, but talk about involvement. God came in Christ. He came fully God and fully man and got involved in the midst of all of our mess and made a way for us. And, and we're to understand that this life that he's called us to is a life of involvement. We, we are not to just sit idly by and, and kick back and figure, hey, we're in, that's all that matters, and allow the evil one to deceive the world into, uh, you know, the, the, the abyss, in, into uh, doom. That's not what we're called to. 
Um, we're, we're called to live this life in such a way that it opens people up to experience the love of God. Jesus, you know, he, he lived the kingdom and he explained the kingdom and he made a way for people to have access into the kingdom of God. And he, he expects us to do the same things so that people can experience real life now and forever, which is what we're experiencing. And, and Paul, in those verses in Romans 12, does a good job, I think, about um, giving us a place to start to consider. Our verse in Hebrews 10, 24, it said, let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deed. Let us consider. It means we need to think about it, that, that in, the, in the process of connecting with God and getting focused on what really matters, that we need to actually be considering in our lives how we can help spur other people on towards love and good deeds, towards God and loving others, towards those things that we understand to be the most important things in life, to, to come to know him in relationship. That it's something that we're to consider, we're to think about, we're to ask God what, what, what we can do along those lines in this process. And so the, these verses in Romans 12 that Paul gives I think are a great um, starting point for considering some things that we need to do uh, to help people along in their journey. So let's hop in and talk about that. The first point, and this is a huge point um, that, that we need to all be aware of as, as Christians, is, is this, don't be phony. Don't be phony. Romans 12, 9 and 10. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Paul is, is telling us that, that we need to live this life um, in, a, in a very sincere way, that we're to love others with this love that we're talking about, a love for God and a love for others and a love for ourselves. It is supposed to be real, that, that it's, it can't be fake or pretend because we'll never impact the world by being phony. The, you know, the culture... We have issues with, with the culture and their perception of us right now. And, and it's, the culture is not put off by the church because the church messes up. The culture is put off by the church because we pretend or act like we have it all together when we don't. And they can see right through it. And, and they just kind of look at it. I know you've all experienced that with people outside the church who go, it's just a bunch of hypocrites. And unfortunately, the, the church has done that to itself. It's pretended to have it all together when in fact it doesn't. And it's portrayed that into our culture. And, and it's caused this big problem. See, the reality of it is, is that, that we have to live this life um, in a way where we're living it in Jesus, you know, doing our best to do the next right thing, which we talk about here all the time, but being honest with our struggles and our hope in the Lord. That, that we have to be able to talk about the fact that we don't have it all together. I, I often get feedback because I'll, I will share with you from time to time things that I'm struggling with. And people are like, well, you know, that's not normally what we hear in church. I'm like, well, you should, because we're a big mess. I don't know anybody that's not. Everybody I know is broken. That includes you. And if you don't think you're broken, let's talk. I always say that because I mean it. I, we're a mess. We all got issues. We all got stuff that we're dealing with, and it's a lot of it's stupid stuff, but, it, but it's all out there. And, and, and so, you know, I tell you all the time, my heart's desire is to live by doing the next right thing, but I mess up. But it's every day I say, okay, but I want to do it better today, Lord. I want to I do it better today. 
And, and I think there's something in that that allows us to relate to the culture, the, the, the people around us who don't know God. I, see, I get that they get there's something missing, um, and they're looking for something. We just ain't been it. Because instead of loving them well, we've just pointed the finger at them and told them they're no good, that they're a big mess. I, people know it, most of them. Some don't, and that's a different issue, but a lot of them do. So, you know, the, the, the phoniness or hypocrisy that the Pharisees displayed in the time of Jesus um, really it took, got Jesus ire. It's one of the few things that you could see that really would get Jesus fired up was the phoniness of the Pharisees, the established religious community of the day. And, and in fact, he accuses them at one point of being whitewashed tombed, uh, tombs full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. He said, you know, you, you're, you're trying to look a certain way on the outside, but on the inside, you're such a mess. Uh, and it's so pretend that no one w- wants anything to do with who God is. You've got it completely backwards. That's in, it's not in your notes, but Matthew 23, 27, Jesus says, woe to you, that's pretty significant, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you're like whitewashed tombs which are beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. And see, this issue of hypocrisy and and phoniness is something that Jesus still takes very seriously today. And so when the church, the established religious community of the day becomes judgmental and critical like the Pharisees, what happens is that the culture does the same thing and it responds by shutting us down. You've heard me say this. And that's the spiral that we're in right now. The church has been shut down primarily by the culture. Um, I, I, my picture is always this, that they muted us at some point 50 some years ago now. Just totally muted us. Because we weren't telling them how much God loved them anymore, we are just telling them how bad they were. And so they said, well, we, we kind of get that we're bad, most of us, and we don't need to hear it. It wasn't tinged with a message of hope. It wasn't tinged with in love. It was just, you're bad. And, and so they turned us off. And, and, and they no longer listen. And, they, and then, you know, that's what it means to be secularized. They, they said, you can just go over there and hang out on Sundays. But we're going to take you out of everything else. And systematically, they've done it in our society. It took us out of the schools, social institutions, you name it. They just totally have silenced us. And, and we, we, you know, we get all upset about it, but most of it's because we didn't love very well. I think we can come right back if we start to love well. I think if the church figures out how to love again, then we're, we're gonna, they're going to unmute us. They're going to hear that. They want to hear that. They need to hear that. That's what we're supposed to be telling them, see? But we need to consider how to spur one another on. We need to consider what we can do to make a difference. We need to consider, be thinking about how we can be um, available to God to help draw people in. See, he loves the lost. And, and he, he encourages us to connect with him so that we can help connect with others. So that's part number two. Part of what we have to do, point number two, is we have to keep our disciples' hearts prime. That's why this is so important that we, we develop our hearts to be the disciples we've been called to be. In, in, in Christ. Romans 12, 11, and 12. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So, so we have to make sure we're, we're taking time to get primed uh, in, in the Lord, get settled in who he is, get connected with him so that we can then live the life we're called to, being thankful, being encouraging, and doing the next right thing, which results, uh, you know, part of our mission, we even talk about that, in bringing lost children home to dad. 
which is why we're here, ultimately. A bunch of lost children that need to come back to dad. And, and we're how he does that. And we, we're not very effective at it when we're mean. We're just not. I, I don't think it works. So, so we have to figure out how to love well. And, and so part of that process brings me to point number three. We have to remember all the time that it's not all about me. Life, the Christian life, the life of a disciple is not all about me. Some of it's about me. Don't get me wrong, because God's good. We've already said that. See, we started this whole thing by talking about all the neat stuff that comes that is about me. But it's not all about me. Romans 12, 13, and 15. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. See, part of this now is, is getting the focus off of us. If we didn't have the admonition to do that, we'd just be consumed with how cool it is that we can hang out with God and that we would sort of make that the end in itself. We can go hang out in the throne. Why go anywhere else? Why, why do anything else? Well, let's go hang out with God because that's where, that's where it's, it's the best spot to be. And, and yet he says, well, that, but that's not life. One day it will be. One day it will be. See, we have that to look forward to, but not now. Now, do you know the, the difference between us and the church that's gone on before us is this. Throughout history, the church has been there, and, and the, the church um, that's gone on before us, see, I think in God's presence, and, and what we'll get to do when we go there too, they get to worship still. And they get to hang out and they get to fellowship and they get to do all those neat things that we get to do. You know what they can't do that we can't? They can't bring any more people to Christ. That's the only difference. So, so we don't want to get so, so consumed with what we're going to do forever that we forget the mission that we've been given while we're still here, which is to live life in such a way that people are impacted for the kingdom. And so we, we have to get our perspective from the throne room of God, it is not all about me. It's not all about me. Now, I think, and this is what I want to encourage you to do this week, really, this is what it's all about. I want you to memorize that statement. It's not all about me. And I want you to use it every day this week 50 times. (laughs) Maybe that's a stretch. How about 25? And I want you... At every, at every point where you're starting to get frustrated, stressed, anxious, worried, angry, sarcastic, impatient, I want you just to say, hey, it's not all about me. It's not all about me. It's not all about me. And, and try and work that into your, into your vocabulary. The reason I say it so much is I've been trying to do that all week, and I've been saying that hundreds of times every day. And I was a little surprised because a lot of things I think should be all about me. Little things, you know, we hear, I, when I go to Winn-Dixie, there should be a parking spot. I shouldn't have to wait in line at the cashier. I shouldn't, you know, and, and I get, and do you know, see, it's those little stupid things that put those little, little nagging things on me that, that make me miss it. It's not all about me. It's really not. It's, some of it's about me, but I, I've got the good stuff. The rest of it's not about, it's just not all about me. I, I sometimes get, you know, this, I think we all do. We get this over-exaggerated um, view of ourselves. 
And, and so, and then when, it, when we do that, we miss people all the time. You get into a fast food restaurant. It takes a minute and a half instead of a minute, and you give the person a hard time who's just there. I watch so many people get, that are serving get just blasted by mean people. And I think, you know, how do they, it's just terrible. And, and so it's not all about me. I, and so say it as often as you need to. I bet some of you say it a lot. Not all about me, not all about me. Say it when you're driving. That's, you know, you know my problem with driving. It's not all about me. So it's, not, it's just not. So I, I want you to work that into your lives. And, I, and I, that's, that's one thing I really want you to take this week is all, all during this week, I want you to, at any time those things start happening, I want you to think it's not all about me. And you start thinking how many times you're doing that a day. And, and it'll help. And what that'll do is um, get us to the fourth point, which is that we need to be humble. See, we need to be humble. And, and by saying it's not all about me, every time you, you're getting funny, you'll find out how much pride you're dealing with. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing, um, our pride level in the process. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another, Paul says. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people low position. Do not be conceited. Our pride gets us in trouble all the time. It's a stumbling block to becoming involved and engaged in the world around us. It really is. It keeps us from often doing the things that Jesus would have done. It, it keeps us from seeing like he saw and thinking like he thought and loving like he loved and serving like he served. Our pride will pop up and keep us from the very things that we're called to, the very things that we'll find life in. And so we, we need to learn what it means to be humility. It's not all about me. In humility, I'm supposed to consider others better than myself. I'm, I'm to consider how to spur others on towards love and good deeds. See, in Christ, I, I, already, I already got the best thing. I, I get access to the throne room. I, I have these amazing gifts that have been given to me in Christ. I, I've got them. I have the promise of eternity. I, I have him moving in my life and working now. I know he's with. There's nothing better than that. So why be consumed with stuff that doesn't matter? It doesn't mean that everything always works out the way I want. It doesn't mean that I don't have struggle. It just means that they're just not that important in the bigger picture. They're just not. It's just not all about me. It's enough of it's about me that makes it good, but it's not all about me. And that's where we have to start going in order to, to move these things on. And see, the wild thing is, is that one of those paradigms we have to break. We, we get consumed with um, thinking that it is all about me and that we got to make it all work out. And we spend our lives trying to make things work that just won't work. We, try and, we spend our lives trying to fix broken things that are just going to be forever broken. But that's okay. If you can embrace the brokenness, you find God in it. And it's not all about me. And he's already done the best stuff. And, and I, anytime I need to, I can go hang out in the presence, the literal presence of God, because of what, any time, I can go hang with him. Anytime. There's nothing better. And it just, I have forever to do that. And so, so we need to just really change our, our focus in a lot of ways. And, and that's what now is, is being happened. What happens to us is we get, you know, focused. We, we get who he is and, and, and who we are in him. And the fact that now, okay, now there's some stuff for us that, that we're to do. Not because we're working for him. I already said, we don't, that's the bad picture of him as boss. But there's stuff for us because it's in doing the stuff that we find life. 
And that's what he wants for us now. Real life now and forever. Not just forever life, real life now. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full now and forever. So all this is part of that. So I want you to think about that. Big thing I hope you take from this whole process today is it's not all about me. And I want you to see how many times a day you actually say it. If you, if you or should be saying it. I think you'll be surprised. But take it from there. Amen? Amen. If you're watching by video or on television, thank you very much for spending this time with us. We appreciate it. We know how valuable your time is. And uh, we, we, uh, we thank you for using your time uh, this way with us. We're going to close tonight with prayer. If you need anything, you can call us, email us, write us. We'd be happy to do whatever we can to help you. Go to our website. We'll go from there. Um, But we're going to go ahead and close tonight in prayer.